Hey there, folks. It's the editor speaking. A quick note before we jump into this episode, you're going to hear us reference two things. One is Venom spoiler chat, and the other is Lamb, uh, the movie explained. Neither of those are going to be in this episode. I'm going to post them as separate pieces. So look in the podcast feed, but don't worry about spoilers in this recording. Just wanted to make that quick note. Enjoy the show. Folks, welcome back. Uh, I hope you've missed us. Uh, if you didn't realize that we had been gone, then that, I guess that's even worse. Uh, but this is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Oh, yeah, we're back. We back, and Jared Buckendall is back as well. Yeah, yeah, we're back. Somebody's... No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stop him. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. We are socially constipated. This is the Entertainment Outhouse here to give you all the TV and movie news, a lot of reviews today, as well as a little game time, and uh, I'm sure some shenanigans along the way. For folks who are regular listeners, you probably noticed that we had been a little bit since we put an episode up, and I don't know if this is the first episode we'll put up after the break or not yet, but we basically took a week off. Uh, a week ago, I had listened to the next episode of Socially Constipated, and you'll understand fully <laughs> why <laughs> we took the week off. I want to thank folks who are back after a little bit of a break. Again, we hope that you've missed us, and I have to give a special shout out to two people, Mike and Dan, uh, both anchor wankers, and Wanka. both on our our mailing list as well. Appreciate y'all. I got today, at the day we're recording this episode, we got texts. I got texts from both Mike and Dan. And I kind of expected like a couple of our friends would reach out and be like, hey, what gives? Like, where's the podcast? And like, n- nobody wants to hear like, hey, where's your work? When you're like too like busy to get work done or whatever, mm-hmm, and you're doing other mm-hmm. things. And so I was like kind of dreading like, uh, are people going to start reaching out and wanting to do the podcast? And those two guys both texted, but instead of being like, hey, where the fuck is the podcast? They were like, are you guys okay? (laughs) (laughs) No, we are not. And I was like, I I just so appreciated that. Because I was like, uh, yeah, like, uh, obviously the reason they're asking is because the podcast hasn't posted. But I was like, honestly, genuinely, not really. So (laughs) appreciate the check-in from Dan and from Mike. And I had to laugh at that because I was like... Clearly, folks understand that they can count on us to get episodes up if if going a week without made them wonder if we were dead. So it's nice to have the built-in uh, wellness check. So shout out Dan and Mike for uh, for the check-in. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That's really kind of you guys. Also, yeah, that's a really good barometer. If you're not putting content out, you might not be okay. Yes, yes, yeah. Content or he's dead. So we are back, and we are back in full force, and there is a lot of shit to talk about. So... We are going to get right into things. Stick around later in this episode. Near the end of the show, Jared and Seth saw the new A24 movie, Lamb, and they are going to describe Lamb to me, and I have not seen it. So if you're interested in the movie but don't want to see it and want to know what's going going on in the plot, I have to imagine that will be funny and worth listening to. So hang out for the Lamb explanation later, but we got a lot of shit to do before then. And the first of those things is to get in a little game time. Seth is going to quiz Jared and I on some movie quotes. 
Here comes making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! This will be a quick one. This is a short quote. Might be might be an easier one, but we got a lot to talk about, so I figured we'll, we'll keep it short. I mean, I had to quickly adjust the game I had scheduled for last week, or at least the quote I had scheduled for last week. A spoiler alert, it was a Dan the Craig movie for No uh, Time to Die. I'm going to say <laughs> it was Knives Out. <laughs> it was, actually. Boom, look at that. I give, give me a point. Damn. Jared wins. Ding. I was going to guess a Joe Bang quote from uh, Logan Oh, Lucky. dude, that would have been yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> this week's quote is... One sentence. It, it's, you sucked my arm off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I swear I didn't know <laughs> 10 seconds ago when I said the Joe Vang quote. Wow. But that is fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. You could not have uh, scripted that. Yeah, this is, just so you guys know, we don't script the podcast. This is all, uh, this is all fresh. Why are you lying to everyone like that? I don't want them to think we have time to write scripts. I spend all week writing every single line down for this podcast. And then we just we just come in and burn the script and, and do it. Perform it. <laughs> guys, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm missing page three. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do the honors and put this quote to bed. That is going to be Adam Driver as one of the Logans. I can't remember his first name, but, but that's Logan Lucky. He gets his arm... His prosthetic arm sucked off with the uh, with the Ooh. vacuum, right? You suck my arm off. For the win, yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! Is that movie old enough for us to give it a retro recommend, do you guys think? 2017. Hey, that's old enough for me. I'm gonna take it back in time. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Legally, no, that's not old. Yeah, depending on what state. Okay, okay, all right, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to fuck the movie. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, in the middle of the sounder, I was like, ugh, old enough for me is not, even even in a benign context like I meant it, it's, it's a gross thing to realize you just said out loud. So mm. nobody call the cops, please. And Clyde Logan Clyde. is uh, Adam Driver's name. And that's obvi- that's in honor of the last duel coming out this weekend, which Adam Driver is a uh, part of. I don't know how much he's in it, but yeah. he was a top built guy. I think he's a major mm. part. I think he's one of the duelers I, I, in the titular duel. Yeah, he's one of the duelists. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything <laughs> about that movie. Should we take wagers on who who's gonna win? We should absolutely do that. <laughs> I think Jody Comer wins. Jody Jody Comer wins. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna take Adam Driver. I, I don't know if you've seen The Last Jedi, but uh, whew, that guy hits the weights. Yeah, I was going to say those high-waisted black pants that he has. Ooh-wee, ladies. Grease him up. Ooey-gooey. Please, show me your dick! <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to go with Adam Driver here. Give me that money. Give me that gold coin, baby. <laughs> We're going to put money on it. We're going to give uh, plus, what, plus 240 to Seth on Jody Comer. And... Uh, <laughs> Maybe like a minus 120 on Adam Driver. I think he's the favorite in a close matchup. So that's your uh, bet for the weekend. Show me the money! (laughs) (laughs) I might be lost, but I think where we are is Adam Driver is in the last duel. Keep an eye out for that this weekend. He had the quote from Logan Lucky, which is our retro recommend. Recommend and... Recommend? (laughs) Give me one of them retro recommends, baby. You got to get retro recommend after you make the quota. That's all I know. Uh, excellent pull quote, Seth. Anytime I'm made to think about Logan Lucky, I'm a happy man. So another successful edition of making the quota. 
What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Quick reminder, head out to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. You can link there through the description box from this episode. Uh, It's going to take you to our show page where you can comment on this very episode, be a part of the conversation. You can also, uh, at the top of the page, click to join our mailing list, stay up to date on everything going on with the show. And, of course, you can click the button to become an anchor wanker. Kick us a couple bucks a month to keep the show going and growing. Shouts out to all of our existing wankers for having done so already. Now that I... Now that... I have some bandwidth to play with. I, I've started having some cool ideas to make some updates to the website. And so keep an eye out for some new stuff out there if I ever actually manage to complete those projects. But for the time being, shouts out to everyone uh, for listening and for visiting the website. Time for us to truck onward, though. We got one quickie piece of MCU news this week in bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. So this I saw yesterday, and I have not been on the socials a lot. I just got a new phone. I haven't really loaded up. Like, I don't think I'm logged into Twitter yet. So, Jared, you'll have to let us know if if this is getting as much attention on Twitter as I assume it is. But the MCU made a casting announcement for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And we just got word, and this was confirmed by James Gunn, the character Adam Warlock is going to appear in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and he's going to be played by Will Poulter, who we really enjoy. He was on Where the Millers. He was in that movie Detroit. Was not- Maze Runner. He's in Maze Runner. I forgot about that. Uh, Breaking Bad, Game Night. Yeah. Wait, what? I didn't know he was in Breaking Bad, but I knew he was in Game Night. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a joke. Uh- oh, are you doing oh, Jesse he was, oh, No, wait. He was that guy <laughs> in Like Mike, wasn't he? He was the bad guy in Like Mike. If that's true, I'm going to piss in my short. Are you fucking with me, or is that actually true? No, that's Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Wait, that blows my mind even harder. Are you you're telling me that Jesse Plemons <laughs> is in Like Mike? Yeah, he's the bad, he's like the, the villain at first. Shut your mouth. Get ready to be blown. you got to be kidding me. Well, well. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right, we know what kind of guy Seth is. I was, yeah, this, this is. You did it, too. <laughs> I edited me out doing it. <laughs> you disgusting animal yeah jesse plemons is in like mike sorry i I derailed the bit but will poulter who is not jesse plemons but is a very talented actor i always have a hard time remembering that he's not pennywise because he he gives me a lot of pennywise vibes but well he was wasn't he originally gonna be yeah i think he was cat like he was on the short list oh maybe that's why i think that yeah anyway he's a really good actor and I am excited for him to be joining the MCU. They've gotten a lot of high-profile people here, and he's high-profile but also an actually good actor. What Adam Warlock will be in the MCU remains to be seen, but fans of the comics know like this is a major character and very important in, in the MCU in general, specifically in the Infinity Wars, which were obviously passed mm-hmm. in the MCU, but like on definitely on the level of like a Thanos-level character that very casual MCU fans don't yet know about. So, Jared, is there a lot of buzz on this on Twitter? And what was your reaction? I have to assume it was big news. Like, I feel like this is important in, in the context of the uh, the Marvel. Yeah, I think that there was... I mean, I missed the story at first because I didn't know if it was true or rumor. And then it came out that J- James Gunn actually did, like, confirm that Will Poulter was playing Captain Warlock. I'm going to call him Captain Warlock. That's not his name. But I think it's way cooler. I think that a lot of people were 
thinking instantly to his character in We're the Millers. And, <laughs> sure. like, that's not what we want in this world. But also, I mean, he's a good actor. I mean, also, if you haven't seen uh, the, like, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, like, he, he can tap into some, like, darker stuff. The one thing I'm curious about, because you know how Marvel likes to do this, is, like, just prayed them out after their body transformation. Like, I'm curious what this guy's going to look like. Is he going to be jacked? I mean, I was looking at a picture here. He always, he almost already has the kind of chiseled jawline. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. like, are they going to bump him up, like, you know, like what the transformation for Chris Pratt was? I think it's fine casting. I mean, I think that there was two other people. One of the guys that was uh, 1917 guy, uh, McKay. I'm trying to think of what his name was, or first name is. Uh, he's great, though. Yeah, it was him and then some Bridgerton dude. And I looked up the Bridgerton dude, and I was like, that guy's too good-looking. You can't – he's too sexy. <laughs> is Adam Warlock always angry? Because Will Poulter has angry eyebrows, and you can't really change those unless you just hide his eyebrows. Yeah, maybe they'll put a mask or a helmet. or so. I think in different iterations, he – doesn't he get a superhero name on top of that? Like uh, Supernova or some shit like that? Like Panty he- Boy. Panty, that's it. It is Panty Boy. Yeah, yep, I remember. it is. That's a classic Spider-Man run where he goes up against Panty Boy. <laughs> the, the the part where they go on the raid, though, I don't think it, I think it might be canceled nowadays, but I, really back then, it was. I got a kick out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in 2021, you, you can't show Spider-Man shooting webs into a bunch of panties. It's, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty. <laughs> Sling. Oh, God. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to your point, I, I don't think this is going to be goofy. I think he's going to be believable and he can go toe-to-toe with these guys. Seth, I know you're not... Uh, I don't know your level of you know familiarity with Adam Warlock or whatever, but I know you know Will Poulter. What was your reaction when you saw this news? Were you pretty stoked? Yeah, I like Will Poulter. He's, he's a good actor. I don't really know a whole lot about those other two guys that were apparently on the list, so I'm glad it was him out of all the people. In terms of the character, I, I'd be interested to see what they do because, yeah, like you mentioned, he's primarily a, you know, like the Infinity Stone saga. Like, he's apparently the only uh, one of the only people who can, like, actually hold the Infinity Gauntlet without dying. He's apparently, like, he can lift up Thor's hammer, I believe. He's, like, essentially the the most perfect being is my understanding. And so he's able to do like all the, you know, special shit. Basically he's a cheat code for when it comes mm-hmm. to the MCU. And so it'll be interesting to see now that like that's done with, like the infinity stuff. And I almost feel like he should, like he, they intended it for him to be in the MCU sooner, but just with everything, the way everything worked out in the end, like they weren't able to get him in in time for it to make sense to be a big character. And so, yeah, he was teased at the end of volume two, wasn't he? Like in yeah, post credits. Yeah, in that cocoon. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I think he's, you know, he'll be a, I think he'll be a, potentially a big character moving forward if he's able to, you know, do all that stuff. And I like Will Poulter again. I think he's, he's a guy that has done so much like good acting um, that like, like, like you said, people online probably haven't seen a ton of the other stuff outside of probably where the Millers. And so kind of like with Robert Pattinson with Batman, you know, mm-hmm. people aren't giving him the, the credit or the, you know, like the fair shake when it comes to the acting so which, which he's probably not going to be required to do a ton of you know serious deep emotional acting but he's going to be probably be able to do a good job at least of what he's asked to do so yeah i think it's good casting for folks who remember guardians 2 the people who are all gold and they remote control the ships that they fly and try to take down the guardians their leader teases the existence of warlock and she says that he's a perfect being that was created to take out the guardians so uh, watch out for him to maybe be one of those like villains 
eventually turned heroes in this. Maybe there's a doomsday character that shows up. They got to team up or something. But that would be a good start for... I don't think we've really seen... There have been a couple examples like Nebula of someone who came in as a villain and ends up coming around and, and being a, an important character and, and maybe uh, on the Avengers side. So uh, that could be the arc uh, for Warlock. But yeah, I imagine they have big plans. So this is this is pretty mm-hmm. cool. For some reason, too, I see this character, you know, again, like they're saying, the most perfect being. Him coming out being perfect, but he has no sense of humor. Like, he takes mm-hmm. everything literally. Like, like uh, doesn't Thor do that as Drax. well? Drax. Drax, there we go. I could see that they, them those playing into that a yeah. little bit. That would be fun. It'd be funny, too, if, like, those two laughed at jokes that only those two laugh at and, like, became yeah, best friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, too, in the comics, Adam Warlock eventually leads his own mm-hmm. Guardians team. And so with us, I mean, we all know at this point, like they've already like Dave Batiste has come out and said that it's his last one. Same thing for like Chris Pratt and all them. So I, I feel like this is just going to basically be a soft reboot type of thing. Maybe the, maybe Disney will just let uh, James Gunn have them all fucking actually killed by this guy. I would be into that as like a ballsy move, but there's no way in hell. Oh, man. They, they let him do Marvel's Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would be here for that would be although i never did watch suicide squad i still need to watch that i want a uh, uh, warlock guardians team with like him and korg and <laughs> yes that meek that that purple dude that hangs out with korg <laughs> oh that dude's hilarious um, the giant ant that plays drums in the post credits oh, dude. <laughs> give me like all the fucking howard the duck throw him in there before we go on i jared is is what if done yeah, so they did something weird. Okay, so what if is done, but there were supposed to be 10 episodes. One of them essentially is getting pushed to season two. They said due to COVID reasons, I'm assuming either recording, per- animation, I don't know, where the ending felt somewhat satisfying, but you could tell that there was a missing piece that they just kind of skipped over. Interesting. I got to catch up. Yeah. I've seen a few of those and I'm liking it. But uh, interested to see. I wonder if there's some timing with some movie releases, too, that it matters where that comes out. That could be. That's interesting. But yeah, What If is out there. And there's some Howard the Duck there if, you're, uh, if you can't wait for the Adam Warlock Guardians of the Galaxy with, uh, with Howard the Duck. So. Oh, yeah. I, I need to catch up on. I think I've only seen the first one. Yeah. There's your MCU news for the week. Will Poulter joining the fold. We're all excited. This is going to start filming in about a month. And so I think 2023 or late 2022 is when we're expecting this one. So keep an eye out for Guardians Volume 3. And that's the only headline that we had today. So we are going to roll forward and wrap up our bathroom reading right there. Sitting on the toilet. Now flush. This is far sooner than we usually get here, but we have a shitload of stuff to review. I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I count seven reviews. A baker's dozen. <laughs> A baker with one hand's dozen uh, <laughs> movie reviews coming at you, so let's dive right in. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Does that mean we have five reviews? Because a baker with one hand would have five fingers, right? Yeah, I guess. The math. But a baker's dozen is 13, so I just took that in half. And I don't know why I thought bakers had six fingers on one hand and seven fingers on the other. But um, ladies, if that's true, go date a baker, because that sounds... Uh, <laughs> Sounds pretty fun. I'll definitely get that yeast arising. Oh, my oh, goodness gracious. Nasty. Wow. <laughs> God. I feel gross saying that. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't like you for that one. That's because you're making me think of that. 
Sorry about that one, folks. Uh, <laughs> time, for <laughs> time for some reviews. We are going to start with The Closer. This is Dave Chappelle's newest special on Netflix. And as you find out in the beginning of it, uh, it's his last Netflix special. He says, this is going to be my last special for a minute. Like, it, it, he didn't say he's retiring from stand-up or anything like that. And there's been no indication he's stopping doing stand-up. But this five or so specials that he's done for Netflix, he's he's considering that to be a body of work that is ending with this special. What's interesting about it is that he is revisiting some of the topics and jokes from his prior specials and like adding something to them or explaining himself. Since it's his last one for Netflix, he is all the way in on his stuff in this. Like I, you've probably seen it covered online. There's a lot of people really upset about some of the stuff that Davis said in this one. I don't, again, I haven't been on Twitter a lot, so I haven't seen a lot of people like jumping to defend Dave, but I know there are some people, especially like in the LGBTQ and trans community, especially that are really not pleased with some of the shit Dave said. And my opinion of this is going to also be my review because a lot of the special is whether or not you can enjoy the special. If he's not crossing the line, he is dancing right on top of it. And so you have to, you have to know he's going to, and if you're watching Dave Chappelle, I think you do, you have to know where he's going to go or that he's going to push it and be okay with that. Or you are not going to enjoy the special. Like I, and I don't say this in like a, you're a snowflake and you can't handle it. I mean, like just it's your, you won't like it. Like if you, Mm -hmm. there was some shit in here that, that made me go, Oh, Dave, I don't know about that one. But if you can, if you're okay with that stuff, then there are some really great laughs to be had in here and a couple like amazingly emotional parts of it. He gets really honest at a couple of parts of this. And for me, like I ended up really liking the special. I think it's, I think it's actually like an amazing special because he is so honest. There there are comics. We talk about this. I'm not sure how much we've talked about on the podcast. There are comics who come out and say the shocking thing to say the shocking thing. And that's hacky and I hate it. When Dave comes out and says the shocking thing, he only says it if he knows it's funny and if he actually believes that. And so he gets really honest about his relationship with the trans community in this. And it's not all stuff that you would want to hear, but it's real. And so I have to appreciate that. And it is actually really fucking funny. Like I was, I was, I've watched it or listened to it, watched it once, listened to it another time. And I was cutting up a lot of the time. And so I think from my perspective as a comic, what Dave represents to me is like, he is the person in all of pop culture that has, he's the only one that actually has the leeway to try to push the line further. And I felt like in the special, he was taking that responsibility of doing that. And regardless of whether or not it worked, he, his job here was to try to push the line back and we'll see what society decides whether or not he was successful in that. But I had to appreciate it from a comedian standpoint. Again, whether or not you like this special, it's, it's fucking Dave Chappelle. It's hilarious, but you're going to have to get around some questionable or outright offensive shit in order to understand the hilarity. So this one is very much not for everybody, but if you like Dave Chappelle and you've understood him in his most recent four or five specials, then it's a perfect capper on some of the themes and things he's been talking about. So I loved this, but I would not for a second argue with someone who says that they hate it. So it's a weird review, but that's what I thought. I, I'd recommend it to anyone who's a comic at least to like take notes. But I think, I think a lot of people are going to laugh at this. What bums me out is I know that some of the, some people are going to laugh at this because they think he's just saying hateful shit to be funny. And so the type of mm-hmm. people who just like to say that shit, I'm afraid that they'll jump on board. But 
I don't see a lot of that with Chappelle for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it stays what it's supposed to be and doesn't get co-opted into something really gross, but it is risky. Uh, I would say that's, that's the one word I would say is very risky <laughs> and we'll see whether it pays off. I think to only time will tell. Yeah. I was going to say, didn't it come out like days ago? <laughs> yeah. It was uh Tuesday. The fifth is when it is when it dropped and it was on oh, okay, short notice okay. too. So we only found out like four days, four or five days before that I didn't even know another one was coming. And he was like, here it comes out next week, which I love about Netflix, by the way. Like, here's this thing. It's coming out next week. So I dug it. Uh, and there's a lot of conversation online about it right now. I, I guess I maybe I'm in the wrong circles or whatever. I haven't really seen any anyone either, you know, praising it or really going against it. I had seen like an article that someone was up in arms about it. But when you dove into the article, it was it was essentially a clickbait uh, title. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I I haven't watched any of the recent Dave Chappelle stuff. I, I don't know if I will or not. But the thing that I've been seeing online is comedians who I don't necessarily respect because of their how they try and push the line, but in the ways that you mentioned before, Cody, of like being offensive for the sake of being offensive, defending him, and in the way of like he's pushing back against cancel culture and stuff like that, which like when it comes to like cancel culture I th- and like not being canceled and blah, blah, blah. I think that whole thing is very murky mm-hmm. with the cancel culture stuff. But I also think it's a very easy and quick excuse for a lot of comics saying like that, say basically like cancel culture sucks. It's bullshit. People are whiny bitches, blah, blah, blah. Like stuff like that. You see a lot of bad comedians who are just offensive for the sake of being offensive. Use that as an argument. And I think that's dumb. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's laziness. And so like, that's the thing that makes me a little nervous about this special is like comedians like that who constantly are blaming cancel culture for their unsuccessful ventures. Also been defending Dave and the special for him railing against cancel culture. So that whole thing, like for me, when it comes to comedians who talk about that stuff, I just avoid them all together because I think that's just such a dumb and hacky thing of cancel culture. Yep. I totally agree with you, and I, I will scream in someone's face about that shit. I hate that, that tan point. And it's the thing that I like the least about Dave. Yes, you gave a perfect example of what I, what I mean when I say, like, I'm afraid people are going to use this for evil, and maybe I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt because I'm a fan. I don't know that he means it to be evil or hateful or anything like that. I think he's being honest, and I think he is aware, like, he's not saying, don't cancel me. He's saying, this is what, and I'm going to deal with the consequences. And it feels more in that vein with him specifically. Now, what other people take and make of it is a whole other thing. And that's, and I think you're right. I think a lot of shitty people and shitty comics are going to do that. I, I, I've never gotten the sense from Dave that that's how he is. He feels different. And, and it might just be because I'm, I might be biased. Maybe it's because he's black. Maybe it's because I, he's obviously every, every comedian's hero. So it, it, I, I think when we look back six months, a year, five years, whenever he comes back and what we think of him, it's going to be really interesting. And I don't think we'll know. I, I think it's something that we'll forget about this and then we'll come back and then it'll be revealed like what we thought. But yeah, you, the, the concern you raised, Seth, I think is perfectly valid. Like that's, that's the only thing preventing me from saying everyone should watch this really. Certainly one of my more convoluted uh, reviews, but again, if, if you're a comic or, or if you can look at it from a place of not jumping to being offended, and again, no hate if you do, check out The Closer. It's on Netflix now, along with all the other Dave Chappelle specials, and they are, they are homework if you're a comedian. I will say that much. So Dave, The Closer, 
is on Netflix now. I don't know if Dave goes to uh, to court for this thing. I don't know if he's going to be innocent or guilty. Oh my gosh! Close it down. That's <laughs> it. That's the show. But we got another movie to talk about. I don't know shit about it. Jared, do you mind setting this one up for us? Yeah, this movie is called The Guilty. It's a Netflix movie. We have Jake Gyllenhaal, and uh, he's kind of working as you find out a police police uh, not detective. He was a detective. And he's uh, currently there's some stuff going on with clearly like a an issue going Court on case, with his job, yeah. and uh, so he's been reassigned to be a a nine one one operator or a nine one one call like dispatch yeah, something d- like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. this is that and one. Basically, yeah, and um, it's that's kind of just the the simple premise, but then obviously through these nine one one calls, it kind of escalates into this kind of crime thriller of not only finding out what is happening via the the phone call but also finding out more about the backstory of the jake gyllenhaal character people he's uh working with and dealing with and kind of why he's in the position he's in mm-hmm. he is basically the only actor or actress in this movie everything's kind of through like recordings mm-hmm. uh, phone calls i don't think there's yeah there's no like facetime or anything like that it's just voices and it's a quick 90 minutes. I, I really was kind of on board for this. Um, I think that I wanted a little bit more depth of either maybe the the mystery or the thriller aspects of it and along with the, the Jake Gyllenhaal character. But, I mean, as just listening to a character react to voices on a phone, I think that he did a really darn good job. And then also it was directed by Antoine Fuqua. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. definitely no has the... Uh, yeah, the thriller mystery vibe going on there. It has a lot of twists and turns in it. So they filmed this in October of last year. So I've seen some like interviews. Um, shout out to Lindsay Monday, a uh, friend of the show, who had sent me some videos and things like that, recommended this one to me as well. Jake Gyllenhaal is also on Conan's podcast this last Monday. Highly recommend that. He's actually an interesting dude. But then they talk about a little bit about the movie. And they filmed this in 11 days. Um, Whoa! So like Ethan Hawke is a voice in this. Um, Riley Keough is a voice. A couple other like uh, Peter Skarsgård, 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 um is a voice. And they all called through Zoom, like so they were on Zoom and then like did phone calls. And so like that's all real time. They would they stayed up like all night and filmed a bunch of stuff. They uh, Anton Fuqua actually before they started filming had a close contact with COVID, so he directed the whole movie from a van. So they no weren't even way. in the same room together. He was in a van, and Jake Gyllenhaal was like in this, you know, make this uh, call center. And then like, there's a point where Jake Gyllenhaal was on like the roof and and was like talking to like he could see Anton Fuqua from this van that they made up. They were talking to each other through that and like walkie talkies and different like camera like different um, screens and things that he had in the van. So pretty nuts how they filmed this, and they filmed it so quick with the turnaround of 11 days pretty amazing that they were able to do all that and it's i i really enjoyed it as well like they i think because like he they filmed it so quick and it was so stressful like that comes through in the movie mm-hmm. um because the movie is super stressful and you start to see as the movie goes on kind of like jake gyllenhaal cracking and like you see him like sweating through this movie like they, they do a good job of just like really showing the intensity of it um, like Jared the said, urgency of things. You have the urgency. Like it's a ni- like Jared said, it's a ninety minute movie, so it moves fast, and there's a lot of twists and turns in there, and they do such a good job. One of my, I, I love listening to audio podcasts uh, that are like fiction podcasts, and so like hearing 
you know, fictional stories play out through podcasts kind of happens here too, because you're seeing only really seeing Jake Gyllenhaal talk to these people. So you see his, you know, his stress and urgency, but you're also hearing like some of the effects in the background and different, you know, different, like whether it's a car, you know, car noises or, you know, people yelling or like, there's a scene where they go into an apartment and you're hearing like people screaming and like hearing other characters and doors open and things like that. So they do an awesome job of like describing the scene of what's going on through the, through the phone calls. And then also giving you a little bit of information at times or a lot of information at times through the phone calls to, to really set up what's going on and keep you guessing, but give you just the perfect amount of information to like keep you on the edge of your seat and try and figure out what's going on, like putting the pieces together in your head. You have to like pay attention in this one mm-hmm. in order to really put together all the pieces. And then when some of the moments happen and, and they flip some stuff, um, you're like, oh shit. So it has, it has for a thriller, again, 90 minutes is perfect for me. That's, that's the perfect length of a movie. It had like, it had searching vibes for me. Yes. Um, where, where it was just like very quick, very intense, focused on one character and this whole kind of world going on outside where they were able to mix this shit that's going on with Jake Gyllenhaal on the phone with these people, but then also keep you still guessing and like focused on his stuff. So to Jared's point, yes, like I, th- I think because it was 90 minutes and quick, you're not given super in-depth keys and everything, but I thought it all tied in really well together, and they did a really good job of making each situation intense, I think, for me, anyway. So, Jake Gyllenhaal is great, great actor. I really enjoyed this one a lot, and Fuqua, he's such a good director. The fact that, you know, he's he's probably one of the only people who could do this movie from a van and make it as intense as it is uh, without ever even being in the same room with it, any of the actors in it. And you got to have a guy like Gyllenhaal too. Like I'm, he mm-hmm. seems like the kind of guy that's a total pro. And, and so, he helped develop it from the beginning too. Like helped make like make the movie happen with a, I think a, another either another movie or a story or play or something like that. There's a 2018 version, uh, a Danish version that yeah. they did. I'm glad you brought up searching because I was going to ask about searching. And then I think at least one of you has seen Locke with Tom Hardy, which is a very similar conceit where it's just the one character and everyone else's voice one of you has seen Locke, right jared did you see it i have not yet no, that's one had, that I've, I've been rec i think you've recommended many a time yeah okay. you had it on my uh miss the boat list years ago but there we go okay that went that that went down with the ship yeah <laughs> i would that's funny if you guys liked this i would definitely recommend Locke. a lot of the same things are going to apply less intense you get to kind of see that acting showcase. And it sounds like Hall was awesome in it. So The Guilty is out there on Netflix now. Sounds like it's a good one. So getting a recommend from Seth and Jared. So go check that one out. While you're on Netflix, in between your Chappelle and your Jake Gyllenhaal, how about a Korean drama? We probably are the last people to mention this because it's been out for 10 days now. But Squid Game is out there on Netflix as well. If you have Sponge Netflix, Bob. you have, yes, this is the uh, Squidward Tentacles origin story. Very much like the Joker. Ooh. Yeah, it's very dark. He had one bad day, one bad, mediocre clarinet lesson. Yeah, and you, the way he, when he dances down the stairs, it is chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Squid Game is a Korean drama that's been dubbed with English language and what first thing I'll say is the dubbing like a lot of a lot of people are going to be like I'm out already it's it's dubbed or you can watch it in Korean with subtitles 
the dubbing, this is the best dubbing I've ever seen. You can tell they really took care to get the feeling of what the characters are saying and the emotion of what they're saying. And they still managed to match the lips up very closely. Like I forgot for long stretches of time that they were even, that it was even dubbed. And everybody's not going to be able to get there. But this is, if you hate dubbing, like give this one a shot because it's better than the other dubbing you've probably seen. The show itself, uh, ten epi- or nine episodes, an hour long a piece, follows kind of five or six characters who are all put into this game. And you've probably seen the comparison online. You guys probably have. It's a lot like Fall Guys. If you haven't played, is a game that starts with a shitload of people trying to complete <laughs> a game. And then if you don't complete the game you're eliminated and less people go on to the next round and so on and so forth until there's a grand champion. That is the general idea of this, except the twist here is that being eliminated from a game means you're fucking dead. They get these people to do this because they're, they all have like crippling debt, which is a huge problem in Korea, like a real problem. And so part of the kind of discussion around this is like, can Korea do anything about its debt crisis? And so you follow these characters into the game. You see some of them and not all of them, obviously, progress through the game. And what is my favorite part of the game, because that's it. Like, that's the, that's it. There's also a, um, there's a character who's not in the game who is trying to, I don't know, take the game down, trying to learn more about the game because it's all very mysterious. So there's the game and then there's the angle of like, someone who's just outside the game trying to figure out what the game is and the game the game and that's basically (laughs) like there's nothing complicated about this it's very straightforward and that's not a negative thing it's it's straightforward in a cool way they don't try to do extra moves where they don't need to my favorite part about this is it puts it's great for conversation with other people who have watched it because it puts these people in situations where they have to make choices and do different things and there are lives on the line There are points in this where someone has to decide, can I kill this person in order to go forward in the game? And the moral quandary and the question marks around like, oh, what would you do in that situation? What would I do? And having to think about that for yourself is what I love the most about this. It's incredibly well acted. They got top-notch Korean actors in this, and they do a really, really good job. We were talking before the podcast. This This is like a Tiger King in that... If you are watching it, a large part of the reason why you're watching it is to be talking about it with people. It's very rewarding in that sense, and I would recommend it even if you're not going to talk to a bunch of people about it. I really enjoyed this show. But like, if the dubbing, if it being Korean, if it having a relatively straightforward, like you're not going to be sh- um, sh- completely shocked plot-wise by some things that happen. I mean, there's some shocking shit in here, don't get me wrong, but like, there's not more depth here than I'm expressing. And so that would be my one of my knocks. But I actually liked it about it that I didn't have to think too hard about what was going on. So I'm going to give Squid Game a big recommendation. And I think it's a good opportunity for folks who have never been exposed to Korean work or work that was dubbed or subtitles. And, like it's a good, it feels very American. And so it's an easy uh, transition into that world if you've been curious. So I'll add to the huge pile of people who are recommending Squid Game. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And if anyone out there has seen it, please comment on this episode and uh, let me know what you thought. Try to keep it spoiler-free in the comments, but I, I want I just want more people to talk with about it because it's it's that kind of show. So probably nothing that you haven't already heard on Squid Game, but uh, I will add my my submission to the pile. 
So a lot of Netflix stuff this week. Uh, Jared, I don't know where this next one is um, <laughs> or what it is or how to say this word. So uh, <laughs> what have you that, got? You know what? That is probably the best setup because this is – I walked into the movie with the basically everything you just said. This is a French film that is playing in limited movie theaters. I don't know if the run has already gone and passed. It might be on streaming soon. But this is called Titan, which is actually, I believe, French for titanium. I'm going to have to dance around certain plot points because this is a tough one to explain without revealing things. But you find out that this young girl is uh, kind of driving with her father. And then through her being annoying, car crash, gets a titanium plate put in her head. Then fast forward when she's an adult and she's kind of this, you know, brat of a kid kind of going from place to place doing whatever. She is like a like a model at like a car show and it's very like sexualized and whatnot. But then you also find out that she has kind of these tendencies, you know, as a child, she was kind of, you know, this shit essentially. And you find out that that is very much uh, progressed through adulthood and Eh, she might be on a little bit of a murderous rampage, I would say. That's the setup, but I'm even leaving out like 50% of what happens in that first bit. So that's kind of setting her on this, you know, man or I guess woman on the run kind of story. And then it she winds up in this weird, unlikely situation with someone who is also desperately in need of someone again i'm being so vague because it's tough to explain but this movie i loved it because it was so unique it was something i hadn't seen before again french i i think i'm enjoying these foreign films where there's little to no dialogue but a great score and weird things are happening with gorgeous visuals because that is exactly what happens in this movie of very little dialogue it's more mannerisms it's looks it's kind of you know nudging head nodding and whatnot and I think that the the visuals and the way that this uh, director, because I think that she also did like a, a movie called Raw a couple years ago. I never saw it, but people were saying that that one's just as kind of bonkers or crazy as this one. I think they eat people. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. I would say that, again, there's some weird stuff that happens in this one, <laughs> but it's very much framed in this kind of beautiful, gorgeous, tragic way. The first half or first maybe 30 40 minutes i would say is very much that kind of high octane sexualized uh murderous kind of action i would say and then the second half is more of like an introspective into these two different characters one dealing with masculinity one dealing with femininity uh the you know kind of relationships that they have and finding love in this in this weird roundabout way and again it found it sounds like it's very much two different movies put together and it does feel like that because i was very much on board for the first part because i'm telling you there's nudity all over the place in this Ooh-wee. movie yeah yeah and dongs and boobs uh, <laughs> yes i would say that um and way more believe me oh god butthole i i, I cannot i can neither confirm nor deny balloon knot <laughs> <laughs> oh god no butthole spoilers please ah quit trying to blow up that balloon that's disgusting you're an animal oh that's nasty again this is tough to talk about 
without giving anything away. But I think that the balance was the biggest kind of negative for myself. I mean, I was fully on board for this. It was weird. It's wacky. It's the B word. It's bonkers. It's crazy. It's foreign. The music. There's certain scenes that are so like, holy crap, like what is going on here? Plus the visual effects of certain scenes as well. Like it is, there's some very unsettling, but then it turns out almost like that beautiful tragedy, like I'm saying. Well acted, um, both the, the main woman and then kind of the the other counterpart that she runs into, they're both really good at taking what this character is supposed to be and feel, and then, like I said, without that dialogue of really kind of pushing those those feelings forward, more of just showing us. And I really enjoyed this movie, but that biggest part, again, like that uneven balance of... Do you want the beginning, that high-octane sexualized, or do you want this more kind of introspective look? And I think that that's the probably thing that didn't work for myself, but holy crap, Titan, um, I, I guess if anything, if you have the opportunity, just watch the first 15 minutes, because it is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're a car fan, thumbs up, my friend. Oh, wow. After all that other stuff you said, I, I'm... I'm almost going to watch this just so I can figure out what the double entendre was <laughs> that you just said, because uh, I'm certain there was one there. But This is in uh, movie theaters, a uh, limited run. I don't know if it's still showing right now, but it will probably be on streaming in the next few weeks. There you have it. Titan. T-I-T-A-N-E. Titan. Titan. It sounds like it's a weird one, and if you want to know... You want, if you want to know which character uh, has sex with a car and how... <laughs> <laughs> Then go check oh, no. this one out wherever you can find it. <laughs> uh, one, one thing I didn't mention, this is essentially classified as a body horror film. So um, I would say elements of Possessor from last year are probably present mm. throughout this. Okay. Is it like, so? I, I mean, I guess I got to know now. Like, <laughs> is it like when uh, Adam Sandler's character in Eight Crazy Nights has sex with his car? Mm-hmm. I love you, car. You like it when I hold you like that? Because I can do it all night long. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, it's French, so go to... Oh, oui, oui. Go find it oh, on... Oh, breadstick. <laughs> <laughs> I will give kind of a quickie review here, back to Netflix, for Dear White People, Volume 4, fourth and final season of the show based on the movie, based on the book. And I mentioned this, I think, a couple weeks ago on One More Thing. I had seen, I think, a couple episodes at that point, and I've finished it since. Same thing as usual. Like, if you like Dear White People, keep watching it. It's dope. They get into some really interesting topics surrounding race and some modern topics surrounding race, and and that's very interesting. If you've been watching the show, they skip forward in time for the final season and then look back at the events of the senior year of the main characters. And so it's kind of the Parks and Rec. The the overarching thing of the series is, or the season is that they're putting on a show, it's called the Varsity Show, that happens annually at their college, and the house where most of the black people live gets to put it on this year. And so they're working on this musical, all of the other drama is still going on, and then there's new drama that is happening as well. For fans of the show, I like this a lot. They add in a musical element here, which is the Varsity Show piece, and they sort of tighten up various plot I think in season three, one of my qualms was that they started to get really out on the out on limbs with some of the directions the plot was going. They tightened everything back in here, and I appreciated that. So it, it's got a nice clean ending. 
all of the characters have uh, really fulfilling, I think, arcs. And so if you've, if you've been watching, finish it out. If you've never seen Dear White People, I, I always recommend folks start with the movie and then watch the series. And I would recommend it if you're into something that is very black and very honest about being very black and speaks in a, a voice that you probably haven't heard yet about a lot of the issues that you do hear about. It's, it's really good for that. So I would recommend it. The last thing I'll say is Logan Browning plays one of the, the main characters, Sam, and she's played by Tessa Thompson in the movie. And that character, because she's played by both of those two, one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, and both of them are amazing in it. So there's a great cast surrounding them, but uh, definitely the highlight. So Dear White People Volume 4, I'm going to give it a thumbs up on Netflix. And so check it out. I still, I still want you to watch Blind Spotting on Star. Oh, absolutely! The TV yeah. show. I think you would love that show. Let's go on here to our good old buddy James Bond. Uh, we've been waiting a long, long time for No Time to Die. Carrie Fukunaga directs the final Daniel Craig movie in the James Bond series after they had to pay him an obscene amount of money to come back and do this one. He is going toe to toe with Rami Malek, who plays a creepy guy who has a world-ending plan as usual. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this thing that may sound negative, And then Jared, I want to get kind of your, your thoughts overall. This is, it's James Bond. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> if you don't like James Bond, don't watch this. But if you do like James Bond, you're going to love this. Like I was really into it. I, I, a lot of the set pieces really worked for me. It's long, but most James Bond movies are, uh, you get everything. You get great fights. You get you get some sex. You get some crazy gadgets. You get some plot twists. You get uh, you know everything you want in a James Bond movie is here, and it's as good as any of the others. Like I think it fits right in with the Daniel Craig series, which has been my favorite because it's what I grew up with. And so I really enjoyed this. The other thing I will say is my girlfriend and I went to this, and she has never seen. She's seen one James Bond movie before, and it was Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan and Halle Berry. Oh man, which is a great one if you only need to see one. Yes, that's a great one. <laughs> and we got like thirty to forty minutes into the movie, and she nudged me in the middle of a crazy cool scene, and she leaned over because I had to kind of convince her to go, and she leaned over and was like, "This is amazing." And I was, <laughs> and I was in the, I was in my seat, just like, fuck yeah, new fan. So I loved this. If you're a fan of James Bond like me, you're gonna love this. It is, it's interesting to watch James Bond and Mission Impossible converge on each other because this feels a lot like a Mission Impossible movie, yep. which is why I love it so much. So I am giving this every thumb up, with the caveat that it's not gonna change your mind about James Bond. So like, if, if you hate it, don't watch it. If you already love James Bond, get to this immediately. I saw it in ScreenX, which is the one where the screen surrounds you, very cool. IMAX, whatever large format you can get a hold of for this, I am gonna recommend it. Jared, were you, were you as big a fan of this one as I was? I, I treated myself to IMAX, so yeah, it was a it was a thrill to just watch. You know, it it was the greatest hits of Bond. You you know, like you're saying, if you like Bond, you're going to enjoy this movie. My biggest problem because I loved like the action, the interactions, the characters. Sure, the villains plan. I don't know what's supposed to happen. He looks evil. That's all you need in, <laughs> in these Bond movies. My biggest problem was the entire third act until maybe the last 10 minutes completely lost me. I don't know if I was just having a long day because this movie is two hours and 43 minutes. That is about 16 days if you are counting. <laughs> so this movie was a long movie for myself and i understand that you got to have some sm uh, slower kind of dialogue you know moving the plot forward 
if you just cut it down and give me all the action, I'm perfectly fine with this movie because that's what I want. Just explosions, ridiculous things happening. Ana de Armas wearing this dress and somehow oh my kicking people gracious. without her, her goodies falling out. Like, I, I'm sorry, people. It was amazing. Um, yeah. So my biggest thing, I mean, I had a fun time with it. But again, it, it was long for sure. It was it was one that I'm like, ah, oh, come on, let's let's get to the, the good parts again. Yeah, you could have hacked, you could have took out the Anna de Armas character, you could have taken out completely the, I think this will be clear to folks who have seen it and vague enough for people who haven't, the 007 storyline uh, mm-hmm. is, could have, the movie doesn't need it. I liked it, and I, I liked that this was long. I love getting to just settle into James Bond world and be there forever. But yeah, if, if you're an opponent of length, look elsewhere, because this is long, but uh, very enjoyable if you're a James Bond oh, fan. Oh, oh. One thing I will say, and maybe this is why I was getting a little irked. I usually go to movies by myself. I will say I went with a friend, and that friend took out their phone. No. 50 times. Did you count? Murder. They were texting. They literally were checking every five minutes. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Don't do that, friends. Yeah. Don't don't take your phone out. Don't do that, friends. I know it's a long movie, but don't take your phone out. You're going to catch some of these if you do. Oh, mummy. (laughs) (laughs) My God. No time to die, Mr. Bond. Go check out the final in the Daniel Craig series in theaters now. Large format if you can. Seth, why don't you set this one up? This is one we all saw, getting into the comic book universe. Tom Hardy with the follow-up to Venom from a couple years ago. Venom is back. We jump right in. Tom Hardy and Venom are, I guess, presumably been with been together for a while and they uh, got a good rapport going there friends who have this uh this kind of disdain for each other but also uh they need each other and kind of you know like they they pick at each other at, at the end of the day they protect each other and lo and behold uh we saw at the end of venom woody harrelson in his uh, jail cell as cletus what's his last name cassidy Cassidy. Cassidy. That's what I thought, but it just seemed, that seems like a like an old west villain. <laughs> he uh, comes upon a symbiote through means, and Carnage is born. And there we go. That's that's this movie, Venom <laughs> versus Carnage. A lot of gloop gloop glops and gloop glorps all over the screen with these weird silly putty aliens fighting each other. But I had a good time with it. The thing I enjoyed about the first Venom was the parts that we got with Tom Hardy and Venom with their bantering back and forth and the humor and all that stuff. And we got a lot of that in this one. The large majority of the the movie is those two having their banter and doing their whole shtick. And so I, I enjoyed that. I'm glad that we got that. Uh, of course, it's, you know, it's a dumb movie. Like, at the end of the day, it is just a big old mess of CGI going at it on screen. So it, it's just, like, dumb action and dumb weird sometimes bad cgi going on the screen but you know it's not a movie that you really need to take that seriously um i enjoyed it i i had a much better time with this one than i did the first one Uh, i honestly did not like the first one very much because it was very little of their their relationship together Mm -hmm. and this one was all of it pretty much so i had a much better time with this there are other things that i also enjoyed that i don't want to necessarily spoil and talk about but ultimately i had a good time with venom too the spoilers that you're alluding to, and we won't get into them here, are pretty crazy, uh, and I'll leave it at that. So, like, if you 
if if you want to know what that is like do a search for it or go see the movie because there's some there's some shit in here that is awesome I think you nailed it, Seth. I think leaning away from the action, which admittedly is just not that fun to watch him gloop around like that. Like, <laughs> even as badass as it is sometimes, like, I honestly, I could have, and it amazes me that this is what I'm going to say. In a movie that had Carnage, which is the villain I've been most looking forward to seeing, like, at all in superheroes, because he scares the shit out of me and I love Spider-Man. I didn't give a shit about Carnage in this movie. I was completely on board with the buddy. It's almost a buddy cop kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Like, I didn't need more than I got from Carnage because I was so interested in the relationship between Tom, uh, Eddie, and Venom. And I thought that was dope. So, like, I really enjoyed that, right. the friend angle on that as much as anything else. I, don't, I didn't even need this to be a superhero movie i thought hardy was great acting basically against himself in this too like he that he pulls this off is so cool to me can we and jared i i we need your thoughts too can we do just a brief like minute spoiler yeah yeah i suppose we we can can. quick thing uh yeah i agree i mean i tempered my expectations going in i had a fun time with it like this is like when you guys always say or i think seth you do where you turn your brain off for these movies that's kind of what i did and i had a great time with it Mm -hmm. and I, the first movie, I I tried to turn my brain off in it, but I thought that movie was bad, straight up bad. <laughs> I didn't like the first movie at all, and so I wasn't super excited with this one. But I went with my mind turned off, and from the jump, it's funny. Like there, it's the buddy cop thing, you know, like them joking around or you know, really just being mean to each other. But it's hilarious. So yeah, I yeah, like you said, Jared, brain was turned off, and it I had a good time. Venom, let there be carnage is in theaters now. You can go check it out. Large format if you get a chance. It's uh, big and loud, so go check that out. And we turn our <laughs> attention finally to Lamb. Bah. Essentially, the movie is about a family who has uh, their child is has a, a a lamb's head, and there are reasons for that. But basically, that's all you need to know about the impetus of the movie uh, because i think it's even spoilers to figure out why that happened is an a24 movie very ethereal very weird and the intriguing thing about it very foreign yes what the fuck is going on with this lamb having a human body or this human having a lamb head personally i enjoyed enjoyed the movie it's growing on me very slow though takes about half hour to get into it and the actual story and anything that's going on otherwise just them living their lives but slow movie very strange, very weird. Definitely has some themes. It's listed as like a horror drama. Definitely more in the drama part of things. It's very creepy though, unsettling. Again, weird, strange. No like jump scares, but horror in the terms of like some of the shocking moments and things like that. So mm-hmm. I personally enjoyed it, but it's definitely not a movie for everyone. Jared, do you have any thoughts you want? Just to- on top of that, I mean, because again, I enjoyed it. This is a gorgeous movie of just oh, the Icelandic yeah. countryside. A24. Whatever they're doing, I mean, Green Knight, this movie, they're beautiful, gorgeous movies. MCU, take take notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we told you there'd be a shitload of movies, and there were a shitload of movies. We are finished with those now, so uh, we got to get, get toward the end of this thing uh, and wrap up our reviews there. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! And let's look forward to the upcoming movie weekend. Got a couple exciting things coming out. Jared, let the folks know what they can check out in theaters. It's coming right for us! Yeah, friends, coming out this weekend, and actually on uh, this first one, Halloween Kills, the... 
the sequel to the sequel rebuquel essentially coming out. Uh, you can see this in movie theaters or actually I th- believe it's uh, streaming on the Peacock app, the Peacock app. The cock. Yeah, basically uh, Mike, Michael Myers is just tearing a town apart. And again, as the moment of uh, recording, none of us have seen this. I'm looking forward to it. I need a nice spooky just sit at home. I'm probably going to watch it at home to be honest. But are you guys checking this one out? Hell. Oh yeah. Yes. I am going to do yeah, yeah. I'm going to do the same thing I did in the first Halloween movie back in 2018. I am going to get blackout drunk and call Michael Myers <laughs> the N-word very loudly in our theater. Uh, cannot wait. Thursday night. Uh, if you're in oh, Bend man. and you're going to be at that showing on Thursday night, uh, get excited. And I promise you, even though it doesn't sound like it, it's a black guy that said the N-word. It's good. Which yeah, means you can out. say it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's in a dark movie theater, you're allowed to say it. Another one is The Last Duel. We kind of uh, jokingly made bets on that earlier in the show. Matt Damon and uh, Adam Driver are fighting over a woman, Jodie Comer. She was in Free Guy. But uh, yeah, I don't know, Medieval. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, Interesting for sure, Ridley Scott. And then I don't know what this third one is. Cody, (laughs) can you fill me in what this third one is? Oh, I'm going to fill you all the way in. You forgot about SEAL Team which obviously is the film adaptation of the David Boreanaz CBS show. Oh, no, it's not that. It is actually a sequel to Zero Dark Thirty with Jessica Chastain. Oh, it's not that. Actually, it's a movie about literal fucking seals. Oh, who are, I thought it was the seal biopic. No, it is not. Uh, you're not going to hear any, any Kiss from a Rose. Actually, you probably will hear Kiss from a Rose because this is a children's animated movie about a literal team of seals who are some sort of special operatives. And I don't know, they're trying to go beat up a seahorse or something like that. Definitely will be the best picture and biggest grossing film of the season. So, um, Jared, just get your shit right, okay? That you missed SEAL Team is frankly uh, sad to me. So Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Be better, Jared. And, and for the folks listening, be better than Jared. And make sure you catch SEAL Team. And then, you know, if you want to watch The Last Duel or Halloween, uh, you know, you can do that too. It's coming right for us! All right, folks, just about out of here. But first, like always, one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I want to shout out, we all got this game last week, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. This is a new game on several platforms. We have it on PlayStation. And think Super Smash Brothers, but with Nickelodeon characters. SpongeBob SquarePants, Patrick Starr, Danny Phantom, the Avatar Aang, and also Korra. Reptar from the Rugrats. It's a, a stacked cast that we are told will continue to grow through DLC. It's a it's a full game, so it's I don't know, it's like fifty bucks. So it's not you know it's not a five dollar shitty game. It's like a really well made fighting game. Feels very similar to Super Smash Brothers, but with some interesting kind of changes and updates and things. But if you if you enjoy that game, you'll like this um, and you'll get used to playing it. The new feel, but yeah, pretty soon I'm gonna have the ability to knock someone's block off with Squidward <laughs> tentacles. And as soon as I have that opportunity, everybody's fucked. So Nick All-Star Brawl. I want people to get this so that we actually get all that DLC. So uh, head out there in the PlayStation mm-hmm. Store, PC, Steam, wherever it is you get them. I recommend this. Really, really fun to play with your friends. We had a, we had some some good times going through the characters last week and um, getting our asses kicked by Invader Zim, who Seth is, for some reason, unstoppable with. Nickelodeon All-Stars. My one more thing, because, yeah, uh, Nickelodeon All-Stars is great. Thumbs up all around. Netflix uh, does these weird kind of interesting uh, interactive type things every now and then. They did this with uh, Bandersnatch, uh, Black Mirror, Bear Grylls, Man vs. Wild type thing. Um, 
still frustrated that they couldn't have that bear eat that man. <laughs> um, but this latest one is Escape the Undertaker. So this is kind of a spooky Halloween type feel where the uh, the New Way, is that the name of the wrestling The New group? Day. The New Day, the, not the New Way. Uh, the New Day. These three uh, wrestlers, they go into the Undertaker's mansion and they have to steal an urn, essentially. But it's an interactive experience where you get to choose. You know, this is like uh, the video game Until Dawn. And I turned this on. I had a great time, with, or not a great time, but a fun time with it. I, I instant like the first try I did, I made it out of the Undertaker's uh, uh, mansion with urn in hand. But I, I talked to a couple people or saw on uh, social media, they had a fun time with this, you know, kind of going in, you know, failing, trying to find their way through this mansion. Sit down with someone, have a few drinks. I think that that's how you experience these kind of interactive experiences on Netflix. I would love them to do more of this stuff because it's just kind of that, that feel-good, kind of cheap, almost not cheap but like hey this is something different i guess um again the acting's not like it's nothing to like write home about at all but i had a fun time with it <laughs> little uh, spooky season celebration maybe over some pumpkin spice beers or some pumpkin spice recreationals sounds like a pretty interesting <laughs> <laughs> my one more thing which is like so this, so nickelodeon undertaker and then what this is gonna be is like <laughs> basically all the things i love um <laughs> That 90s show was announced, and no, it's not a reboot with completely new characters, uh, which I would have watched but not been nearly as excited about. This is a essentially a sequel series to that 70s show with Red and Kitty back, um, and they apparently uh, some of the actors have said they'd be open to returning as well excluding Danny, Danny Masterson, Danny Masterson. Yeah. yeah who actually did an interview and said like he's in full support of this, which who gives a fuck about his opinion but why are we interviewing um, him? That's what I would right. yeah. This takes place in the 90s in Point Place at the house. Red and Kitty are watching Eric and Donna's, I think, 15-year-old daughter for the summer. Um, And so it's going to be the daughter in the house meeting the friends there. I'm assuming there'll be other kids of the other characters that show up in this as well and probably hang out and all that stuff. I'm assuming all the uh, producers, or not all, but a lot of the producers and writers and directors are back, have signed on for this as well. So it's not going to be a completely, like, new thing this is you know they're bringing back a lot of the originals deborah joe rupp and um kurtwood smith who play red and kitty are producers on it as well and like wh- like they are the ones getting this off the ground so like they actually have something they want to tell here and like want to bring these characters back because they obviously love these characters and so do i so i am super super excited for this i can't wait to be back in the foreman household and the basement and I don't know if they're going to do the, you know, the, the same music and all that stuff, but God, I hope they do. I'm probably going to end up just tearing up a little bit because it's going to be, you know, my childhood again, but mm-hmm. with, you know, continuation of it. And I'm so fucking excited for this. What One thing I just, because I, the, the way you're talking about it has got me interested and excited. I'm curious on how they'll handle the around the table type scenes. <laughs> I think they'll do it. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll I do hope, it. I hope, because that was the, some of the, best parts of the episodes <laughs> they have to they'll find their stash 100 percent. oh that oh. you know what that's episode like one or two yeah and they'll have some crazy um, ass hallucination because it's 20 year old weed <laughs> <laughs> i hope they do i mean it's only 10 episodes so far is what they've ordered so it's not like a i guess they're not trying to completely like bastardize it by you know letting it go as much as they can or whatever like they're i think they're giving this a shot and seeing if it works before they continue to do more but 
yeah, I'm excited to, to revisit these characters again and hope that we get some of the originals back in there. I, I did see a couple people online or a couple articles online being like, they already betrayed Donna because she didn't want to have kids right away and blah, blah, blah. But who cares? Like, <laughs> it's not like that 70s show has like this, you know, esteemed, uh, you know, stance on things and is like this held up like this holy grail of TV. It's like these characters, they live in Wisconsin and like what else are they gonna do like they're gonna have sex and probably have kids so chill yeah <laughs> yeah um, did, were, were those people writing the articles that ever lived in the midwest <laughs> yeah probably uh, i'm pretty sure ign did it because they love to fucking trash everything that is holy so um everything that's good i guess um <laughs> they love some bad uh, shit though too <laughs> also people who don't want kids sometimes have them accidentally like maybe that's the story right like let them tell you the right. story before you fucking tear it up right 15 years after. So I'm, I'm a little interested to see because, like, I know at least Kurtwood Smith, who plays Red, looks quite a bit older now. Obviously, it's been, you know, uh, quite a while since the show ended. But the 15-year time frame is, I don't know, maybe it's been 15 years since the show ended, It has. I guess? 2006 could... was the end, yeah. Okay. So I guess that makes sense. I know he is, like, he has super white hair and looks a little bit older. Deborah Jo Rupp was in WandaVision. She still looks pretty much like She Katie. looks the exact same. Yeah, so that one, that part I'm not worried about. But, man, I can't wait for him to call someone a dumbass again. Yeah. And I can't wait for her to laugh. Man, I, I'm I'm so excited already. Should be fun. <laughs> not a lot of casting news. The little redhead girl from Stranger Things. I would like her as the main character. Ooh, so, Ooh that's so, a good choice. Sophie Bush, is that her name? It might be, yeah. Because it's got to be a redhead, you would think. If it's Donna's yeah. kid, you know, so. Oh, 100%. And she has the Netflix connection with that and Fear Street. So. Yep. As long as I still get Tommy Chong in there, I'll, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that 90s show, Escape the Undertaker and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, uh, a perfect three strikes and Seth's childhood is out. <laughs> because, uh, we got lots of nostalgic greatness in One More Thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We are glad to be back in the flow, and uh, we hope you missed us. And we hope that you took away from this some of the cool stuff you can watch either in the theaters from last week on the streaming services or in theaters this weekend. So lots of different recommendations this week. And if you want to continue to talk about these things, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Is the place to go and comment on these episodes. Also, join the mailing list and become an anchor wanker. Where we'll be, we'll be right back with an episode of Socially Constipated. So we are hopefully back on our usual schedule. And uh, again, thanks so much for listening. We're gonna wrap this thing up there for Jared Buckendall and Seth Ott. I've been Cody Michael. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.